You're listening to Big T Energy with your girl, Tiffany. And on today's episode, we have a woman who 100% embodies what BTE really stands for. And if you don't know, well, now you know, it's Big Tit Energy. That's right. On today's episode, we have a special guest, Kelsey Sharon, who is a combat veteran and artillery gunner in the Canadian military who served in Afghanistan in 2009 with the Canadian, American, and British Armed Forces. After deploying to Afghanistan at 19 years old, Kelsey was diagnosed with PTSD. She is a huge supporter of the veterans and all those who are suffering from PTSD, depression, anxiety, and suicide. Kelsey also has her own podcast, Brass and Unity Podcast, which you can find everywhere where podcasts are streaming. Kelsey and I sat down to get to know each other a bit more, shoot the shit, and talk about how life brought us to where we are today. BTE family, are you ready to hear all about this badass? I'm sorry for you for that. I won't do that. I'm moving my thumb immediately. Result, by the way, Canadian right there. Oh, here we go. Because I already heard sorry. It hurts. It started. My best friend from high school or from uh, college is Canadian. Whereabouts? Um, oh, wow. We're going to lean in. We're leaning in, everyone. Uh, BC. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and she'd have been a full ride for hockey. Oh, for God's sake. That's, that's that like the worst Canadian. That's the most typical Canadian story for hockey. For hockey. For hockey. Well, we met a Canadian girl yesterday. And so I would tell her the same thing. And then Angie was like, what's your type? And she's like, I really love hockey players. We're like, no shit. Really? Really? That's not a stereotype <laughs> at all. I'm like, Yeah, I know. And because the funniest thing is, though, when talking to her, I was like, I haven't heard you say a or a boot. And she's like, oh, that's so stereotypical. Yeah. Boom, hockey players. Yeah, but that, I mean, listen, if she's from BC, I live in BC and that's the far, far West Coast. Now, the closer you get to the center of Canada, Ontario, yeah. Quebec, then you really lean in, you lean in hard. Really? When you get to Halifax and Nova Scotia, the newfies, they speak a different language. Uh-huh. It doesn't make sense. I can't even do a, an imitation because it's so different. It doesn't sound like English and they sound like a weird, drunk Irish person. <laughs> I'm deadly serious. Listen, I had a How guy. How does it even make sense? It's a lot. It's a yeah. lot to take. I served with a guy, um, Danny. He is, yeah, he's a newfie. And when he would drink though, mm-hmm. next level. No, there was no, you couldn't comprehend a single word he would say. Yeah. And that was normal. And that's just how a lot of that Far East is. But the the West Coast, the Far West, it's the accent's not near as strong. Now you go to the middle of Canada and you get a real thick Mm-hmm. Real thick, like oot in a boot, like hard, yep. like Saskatchewan, like kind of lean, get in. So I try to just, I try to lay it off when I'm in America. I try to adopt a bit of an American one. And then normally people like tear in them don't give me as much grief. But yeah. there's, there's times where apparently they count the amount of times I say out in a sentence <laughs> to see how far I go. Um, but yeah, so it's an interesting, it was sick. <laughs> It was six. Thank you for that. Yeah. No shame I love how he's literally counting. Yeah. 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 It's a good time. It's solid. But I, I, I was stoked to be able to talk to you because yeah. it seems like we overlap a little. Um, I know. And it, we're all, we're, we're dancing. We dance around each other. And I saw you last year at SHOT, because we're at SHOT Show right now. Yeah. And uh, I saw you last year at SHOT Show. We were at 
I think it's called Burbiz. Is yep, that what is it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a military marketing event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never know what these are. I just go. Yeah. Now um, we're learning, right? We are. Canadian. So I uh, <laughs> started coming down to these last year and I saw you off in the corner and I actually, I know exactly what you're wearing. You're like a crop top. Mm-hmm. Boobs yeah. out. Yeah. My under boob. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was going hard. Yeah. I was here for it. 100%. Loved it. And uh, uh, so, the, the only thing that's nice about my boobs is the under. That's okay. <laughs> or the side. That's about it. Yeah, but I can't do the under anymore. Yeah. Well, I'm getting older, so I can't either. And I was single at the time. Yeah, I but was you're new- barely older, please. Yeah. 36. Okay. Calm, calm down. <laughs> calm down. Easy now. Like, I get it. I swear my body makes me feel like I'm older, though. Well, it's just because it's the professions. Yeah, it is a profession. That's what happens. 100%. So tell me a little bit about what you do, because uh, our listeners are American, but for those that are the rest of the world, what's a seer? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> Give me more. A seer? More words. So- I have to say it correctly because in the Air Force, we're called SEER specialist. We had, we've had chiefs that are far retired that has worked very hard for SEER specialist, right? Because mm-hmm. we specialize in survival, evasion, right. resistance, and escape. Okay. So um, SEER originated in the Air Force, that branch, okay. um, after Vietnam War. Okay. And after our guys were over there getting pummeled. In an environment they weren't used to and they didn't know how to survive in. Everyone's getting captured because they don't know, you know, different tactics on how to hide. Right. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, when they're getting captured, they're now getting interrogated. And that was some of the worst interrogations, obviously, in history that these guys endured. And then if they were able to escape, which a lot of them didn't even know how to, then they were coming back and they were barely debriefing people. And we realized this is now we need to come up with something to help these guys out. Okay. So that's how SEER originated. And then it kind of just moved its way to the other branches. So I know of it because in Canada, I know our pilots go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a buddy of mine, Adam, he's a Chinook pilot. And then I have a couple other friends that fly up there. And I remember talking to them very briefly about the program. They kind of gave me the overview of it. It was never something that I needed to go through. Yeah. Um, but I do remember a lot of the conversations. And it was uh, it was interesting to say the least. I don't know what you're really allowed to say about it or you can talk about with the depths yeah. of it because I can talk, I, I know my limits. Okay. Let's play within it. Yeah. Have you ever heard that? Do you know that? Do you know that? Uh, that's the lottery one in Canada. No, you might not know that. No. Like what? it's like, it's a, uh, what does it go? It's like, it's like a lottery slogan. It's like, know your limits, play within it. So let's play uh, within okay, these limits. Like, yeah. yeah I mean, you're I'll welcome. You, I'll your tell you if I can't you. talk about something. Okay. Let's go. Let's talk about it. So what, what does this entail? So the training is given to primarily high risk of capture individuals, right? So anyone that you can find behind enemy lines is what they say. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's going to be all pilots, all air crew, essentially. And then um, our ground guys and our ground guys in the Air Force are our special operations or special warfare. So TACP, PJ, CCT, special reconnaissance, stuff like that. And so that's what we give it to. Now, there's different levels. You have level A, B and C. So level C is the high risk of capture. So that they go through the very intensive long SEER school. And then there's Bravo. So you kind of get into, um, it could be cops, CIA, CIA, FBI agents and stuff mm-hmm. like that go through that too. And that's a much shorter course. And then you have level A, which is just like a CBT. Okay. Essentially. So yeah, I mean, think about it. You want to make the training as realistic as possible, mm-hmm. right? The hardest part is, so to be an instructor, you have to go through, you get trained in every single environment in the world right? Because they want us to be experts in every single environment. And that costs a lot of money. And that's a lot of training hours. Um, and, but we can't give that to our students right. that go through. So they give it to the instructors so that we can verbalize it to them, which whatever environment that they're in. 
We also go through an extensive evasion and resistance portion. And resistance, if you guys don't know, is the interrogation portion. You're smiling at this part. You know yeah. that like your whole tone and face will like just change <laughs> as you got to this part. I feel like this might be your favorite no, part. No, it's actually not considering it. But I do There's know, a story though, because that's a face for yeah, a reason. Well, here's the thing. Like when everyone thinks of Sierra, they all have stories about their resistance training part, okay. right? I was a resistance training instructor and interrogator for four years. They always say that women are the best interrogators, which is true because we're naturally born almost in that sense. Mm -hmm. And so it almost comes naturally in some ways. So when you do hear the horror stories of Seer, traditionally it's resistance. And that's where a lot of lies and everything get conjured up in that sense. But you do have to make it realistic. So when you think about it, we are physically, emotionally, and mentally abusing these people. And you love it. No, no. I don't love it because the reason why I didn't love it and it was actually horrible for my life and my marriage is because Mm. when you deal with that stuff at a younger age and then you don't, you know, work through those issues Mm -hmm. and then you now are doing that to other people, it manifests itself in a way to where if you don't heal from it, you start doing it to the people that you love. Okay. So it's that. uh, So it was not good. Yeah. Um, At least in me, because for me, I was I had to deal with, so my mom had dealt with verbal and emotional abuse when younger. And so she always promised herself she would never do that to me. But unfortunately being the oldest, I did get some of the brunt of it. And then, you know, she was really working on that. So I grew up with hearing very harsh words sometimes. And so, and my dad wanted the best for us. And that meant sometimes, you know, his dad was very critical on him. So he was very critical on us. So you didn't, wouldn't hear a lot of words of affirmation you would hear just a lot of things that you needed to work on. So that manifested itself in my relationships with Ben. And that makes it very difficult, especially when you're married to or dating a very alpha, um, strong individual who's in like a special operations or special forces job. So when I did work down at RT, I was great at it, right? And I had passion for that because to me, I felt like that was more realistic that my students were gonna go through. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm like, they're not really gonna be out there surviving. They're probably gonna get captured right away. So this is the way they're going to get home. And I have a huge passion for my job. So I would give everything I got because I thought to myself, if there's a day that I don't give it hundred percent, I'm doing that person a disservice. And if they happen to find themselves behind enemy lines and they have to return home with honor, I want them to come back up to me and say, thank you. Right. And not what the fuck. Right. And so, um, it, it did, it was hard though, going home. Right. And you're having an argument and you're so used to, you know, talking to people a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, you just revert naturally without realizing it. You start to, right. And then when you're getting called out, you, you want to be combative because you're so used to people like as a interrogator, you were so used to people having to talk to you respectfully, no matter what you could speak to them, whichever way, but they had to be like, sir, yes, sir, ma'am, no ma'am. And stuff like that. Right. Because if you think about it in a survival situation, you don't want to lose your cool as being the one who's being interrogated. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to keep your cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, it didn't help. It definitely made things worse in that, in that marriage. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I know. Right. No, it's fine. Military folks love our, love our marriages. I I learned so much about Americans when I was deployed with you guys. And one of the things I learned, especially was that apparently people like to get divorced in the military in the United States. And uh-huh. what is it? Upwards of special operations community, 94%. Like, Probably. I don't yeah, know. It's, it's, she's sure up there. Yeah. And 
that blows my mind. I can't wrap my brain around that. Maybe it's maybe it's because I don't come from that. I don't have never been exposed to that. I've been very, very fortunate in that. And so is my husband. And it's yeah. a weird concept to me because I'm just like, well, no, but we... <laughs> Yeah, but no, we're doing this. Yeah. We, like you die or you leave. Yeah, we promised. Yeah. This I understand is, that. This is deal. And and I get there's situations, obviously, that that needs to be, you know, that's not the conversation. Correct. Like there's, there's different situations with yeah. that. Um, but it, it kind of blew my mind because the culture was so nonchalant about it. Uh, people would go into a comms tent, come back out and be like, well, my bank account's gone. Uh, apparently I'm getting a divorce and I have nothing left in my house. And that was an ongoing basis on a, it's just like, all the time. Yes. Sadly. I've that is bananas. A lot about that. Particularly in that community. I will say in the Sear community, uh, death, uh, death. Wow. Uh, wow. Aggressive. Yeah. Uh, divorce isn't <laughs> as, as, as prevalent, but it's still there. And I think because too, Sear is a pretty family friendly job, right? Like once these guys go through training, they have a very consistent like job. Steady. It is pretty steady. Yeah. But the thing is too, is, um, Back in the day, I was attracted to a very particular type of male yeah. and they were on the, on the opposite end. Right. Yeah. So that made it difficult sometimes. But yeah, yeah. So your yeah. exposure to you guys also have a lot of different types of people around. Like when you're working in that type of profession, you're not necessarily dealing with just grunts and other people. You're Correct. dealing with a very if and if that's your type, there's. There's a lot of them. And I didn't even mean for it to be my type, right? Just happened. It just, well, I guess I think I was delusional, to be honest. Oh. I convinced myself that this is what I needed okay. because, um, so SEER in the Air Force is like your entire job. It's the first, it's, so I came in guaranteed SEER. Okay. Meaning that that was the only job that I went in for. And while it was guaranteed, of course, I had to pass everything first, right? right? But I wasn't didn't have a contract for anything else. And I passed it. And so that's been my job my entire life right. in my career. Other branches, it's just, it's a four-year stint, a three to four-year stint, right? Okay. They People will become SEER instructors for a little bit. It's like a special duty. And then they move on to something else. So okay. that's the difference between the Air Force and other branches. So we build upon our skill set. And everyone kind of goes one which different way. So there's very few females that make SEER, that graduate. Mm -hmm. And so uh, working with all men and having- Fun, isn't it? So great. Actually, I will say it has, it's it's a double-edged sword, right? It is. I have made some of the best friends that I have ever made in my life, uh, brothers, right? Mm -hmm. I have, I feel like I have a brotherhood. And- you know how you can love your brother, but you hate him at the same time. Absolutely. And so there has been some really difficult moments with some men. And there has also been some of the best moments in my life with some of these men. Mm -hmm. And so I guess the thing is, is like, I've, I felt like I had to water down myself and who oh. I was fully to survive in that environment. And so that meant I had to build up a wall and a huge plate of armor and put that on. And so because of that, I was a very rough and tough chick, very, very type A, extremely intense, hyper independent. And so therefore I needed a man who could handle me. Mm. And uh, we butted heads quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And the thing is too, is that it's not the type of man I really needed. And also I had a lot of work to do with myself, but it took time. That's okay though. It's a learning experience. It, it was a whole learning fun. experience. No. Growth isn't supposed to be comfortable. No. And it sure the fuck was it. Well, that's, I mean, it sounds like you've moved on from that in a good way. No, I have. I see some great photos online. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I love how you strategically had his face. I do strategically had his I face. I know, but I, I appreciate that. I, I, pre I value privacy. I think that's, I like that. I 
learned over the years that, um, you know, you can still share things without sharing everything. 100%. You can be private, but not secret. And out of respect for our relationship, because it is one of the things that I hold so near and dear to my heart. Right. And I love him to death. And we both, you know, talked about these things that I'm, I want to tell everyone about it. But at the same time, I want to, I want to keep people out of it. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't post a lot of my husband or my son. Mm-hmm. And people always ask me, like, why don't you post more? I'm like, I don't just, it, there doesn't need to be that. Yeah. I mean, I have no issue with that if that's what people want to do. I sure. personally don't like it. Same. I had a situation where I went and did something and then I went to my son's school and there was a kid in my son's class and the parent was like, hey, I heard you on so-and-so. And I was like, you don't need to hear that. You don't need to hear my opinions on that. Yeah. Like you're like, let me be at my home with my kid and my son. And my, I don't want people to know where my kid goes to school. I'm sorry. Please don't post this photo on fucking Facebook. Yeah. It's not really much to ask. And so I, I completely like 100% respect that. And I'm glad that you do that. It's hard when you're putting yourself out there to the world to also realize that the people that you're with or around didn't necessarily sign up for that. Mm -hmm. And you have to be cognizant and considerate of that, if only to not only preserve that, but social media and all of these things that the tools that we use to, to connect with one another, that's all great and well, but you don't have to have everything on it. Correct. It's just not necessary for one reason or another. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we, and everyone's different with that though. Yeah. And then that's fine. And that's totally fine. And that's the thing too, is I sit there and think to myself, you know what, this is like, who knows if later on down the line, we get married and have kids, that's maybe a, it's different and maybe different. we'll feel more comfortable. But at this juncture, just not I time. just realized too, that I feel like that the more, I mean, having going through, I feel like a public divorce online. Mm-hmm. And the thing is it, what I barely shared anything about my marriage before, but it was obvious that I was married. I put it in my bio mm-hmm. purposely. Um, and I would share some photos of him and I, but also you could barely see his face as well, but that's what he requested, um, because of his job. Right. And I also wondered for other reasons, uh, and you know, later on, but it was one of those things. So then of course, when people are, and I do, I'm a type of person, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So there are some things that's really hard to hide. Right. And, um, I think some people noticed I was going through some trials at the time and I wasn't on as much. And then all of a sudden, like once I felt more healed, I posted a funny video about me being single. (laughs) Yeah, that was, I I remember watching that because that was the thing you, that's kind of part of the deal though. Yeah. That this is kind of part of the deal. It is. If you're going to be out there and you're going to be talking, you're doing these things, people want to know you. Of course they do. And, and, but it's up to you. You can decide where that, where that line is drawn. And I realize I'm going to do it in the, in the, in the form and fashion in which I feel comfortable with and what I'm good with. And enough people, actually everyone to, for the most part was very respectful. They weren't trying to figure it out. I think they knew eventually they would Mm -hmm. figure it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, through things. And I'm sure I've, I think your I've photos talked, changed a lot. Yeah. I think real ta- quick. They did hot, quick moment there. Well, you know, what was funny too. It was like, <laughs> there was one picture as well. Cause I remember I was in like American flag onesie. Yeah. And it was like just a onesie. Yeah. But I was like licking a revolver. Yeah. And I remember when him and I went to therapy when we were still married and we had gone to therapy because I caught him talking to another woman and essentially almost cheating on me. And when we sat down with the therapist, he was like, why are you guys here? And she, he was like, 
she posts slutty pictures on social media. And I was like, Ugh. what? And like, at the time I posted nothing. Like I just, he didn't ever vocalize that to you prior. Nope, never did. And See I was, it. I was kind of like, what picture, like what picture yeah. is it? Can you show me? And he showed me the picture and I was kind of like, oh, okay. Like I never knew that before. I was like, I will gladly take that down right now. Yeah. And um, anyway, I just remember the minute that I signed the divorce papers, uh, separation papers you had to at post the time, the I posted that one. I will say this. There was a lot of coming into myself and there it's weird how people do it. You know what I mean? I did mine mine my own way, which was feeling I took very ill care of my body before when I was with mm -hmm. him. And then I finally start taking care of my body and myself again. And I felt very beautiful and sexy. And so I decided to show that off in some different ways. And it, I know not everyone's going to agree with that. And that's totally fine. Yeah, but that's okay. That's not, that's not them. And that's not no, their I life know. to live. And if you don't like it, please don't look at Correct. it. Correct. Amen to that. And so for me, I just, you know, shared some of that. I think the biggest thing with a lot of it is I always have a message, mm. you know, Amy, like at least most of the times I do. And I really love to, I love to write. So for me, the, there was like a story behind that picture. And right. I read a lot of times I share it. Yeah. So for me, I was like, cool. But yeah, yeah but I like change. that. I, I think that's a... I think that's a great way to help people grow and show that there can be growth. And when you move through through things, when you when you show writing and things like that, I advocate often for writing and journaling and really utilizing that tool yeah. to move through things and let go of things. And so I see that so much with Instagram. I love that when people take genuine time, like yeah. I'll follow, I follow certain people. And what I love so much is that they'll do a post, but you can see, holy to hell, there has been a significant amount of effort put into that. And they're, their heart on their sleeve. Like I follow this guy. I've had him on the show. His name's, uh, he goes by the captain. Okay. Name's Kyle yes. Creek. I know you're talking about. I love him. So he, do I. He's my favorite. He's such a nice guy. And um, he writes the best. The, have you ever seen his books? No, I have not seen his books, but I see all his, tw his Twitter posts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His I, books are incredible. Are they? Like fucking history and all of these. They're, it's amazing. So he's great. Um, his books are great. But he he posts these like these things on Twitter and then posts them on Instagram. They're incredible. But then the page he writes, and then he does this like... Uh, Every Monday, if you just sign up, you can get like his like rants and like things. Yeah. But he's brilliant. He used to do it too. He sometimes used to show um, like little picture, like pictures yes. from animation movies. Yeah. Like animated movies, but then like give a story behind something. And I remember reading it for like, I was like, this is incredible. No way. Yeah. And there's always a meaning behind it. Yeah. And so like, I appreciate when you take time, like when people do that to put actual effort into it. I mean, obviously I don't do it every time. I don't. And I admit that because most of the time it's, there's an algorithm deal going on sure. here because Canada and communism. So I have to work <laughs> the system. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's, it's, I think if you're going to be on social media, I think if you're going to put effort and time and take time out of your life to look and do these things on social media, the least you can be doing is being a good person, giving a tool or helping somebody sure. move forward. And most of the time people heal by watching others do it because then they know that they can do it. I they agree. just need to be shown and have their hand walk through it. So when you do that, it helps. And so when I saw those, I was like, oh, she's on one right now. <laughs> she's on was. one right now. I was. I was going through a lot of self-reflection and healing. And, I like it. And like finding myself and my confidence again and not giving a fuck about what anyone else thought anymore. I think the hardest part was my whole life, 
uh, when I was younger, I was such a vibrant young little girl mm -hmm. who was extremely loud and oh, probably to the point of obnoxious and just a goofball. And I would hang all over all my friends and that meant guys or girls and not in a sexual way, but in a goofy, fun way, yeah. just jump on their backs and doing whatever. And I came in that way into the military and it, my light was snuffed out immediately because yeah. the minute I start doing that, it was like, wow, this chick is a whore. Yeah. And I'm like, I have barely had sex. Yeah. Barely have had sex. And in fact, the only reason why I really did at that point in time, because I was saving myself till marriage was because someone took it from me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was like, I was like, I didn't even give it up willingly. And so I'm sitting there with my head going like, if they only knew, but no one wanted to give me like barely anyone to give me a shot. So I, I guess I had to sit there and learn to survive. Right. It's a funny thing is I was becoming a survival instructor, but I also had to learn how to survive in my career field and in the military as a woman who hadn't, they haven't dealt with a woman in almost a decade in that career field. So I was kind of like, shit, okay, what am I supposed to do? Cool, act like one of the guys. It like, works though, but you have to. There's, yeah. I'm, <laughs> that's like- I you mean, know, you were in the military. Yeah. Right? Did with, you ever feel like you had to do that yourself? I was with all men. Yeah. All the time. And, <laughs> you know, I had two women around me. Uh, I had one really uh, influential woman, uh, Labonte. Uh, she- she was an absolute beast, mm -hmm. just an instructor beast. She was a gunner. Um, and she she walked me through like all my training. And then we ended up getting posted in the same regiment together. So she wasn't on my gun troop or anything. So I had her for a very brief period. And then I had uh, Catherine Fontaine. And she was an officer from uh, my unit at 5 Ralk. And she deployed with me to the FOB. And then... She was there, but she was never, we never, I was on the guns. She was in the tents. We didn't ever cross paths. We worked out together a little bit, uh -huh. but it was always men. After that, it was always men. Um, through training, it was always men. And then with the British, it was always men. With the Americans, it was men. And so, and that's why I was brought in though, was because they didn't have a woman. So okay. the thing that blew my mind was, um, if you do not act accordingly, it will go wrong for you. Mm -hmm. And anybody who is, likes to be like, oh, well, she's masculine. Like, this is a comment I get a lot. I, and I've learned to just really accept that I'm cool with myself and I don't care anymore. It's like, you're a lot. You're really loud. Mm -hmm. um, you're intense. What did you say to me when I came? To, you just picked me up from downstairs. You have tall girl energy. I got tall. I got tall girl energy. I don't know the fuck that is, but I got because it. Because I was like, when I saw her, I was like, oh, she's so like, Short and petite. I was like, but the way you come across online is like you got tall girl energy. And so that is something I've started and I had since I've been young. I was, yeah. I've started fighting when I was four years old and I fought, I was a Taekwondo fighter, a national champion in a secondary black belt by the time I was 14. And so the path that I was on was always a very aggressive type of lifestyle. I trained twice a day. I was fighting every day. And I always was this tomboy. Yeah. Like no joke, if I was a tight teenager now, they would say, you should probably transition. Like I wore snap off pants and I wore a wife beater and I wore a bandana and my hair was this short. And yep. I'm doing, if you're listening, it's a very small, short, little nothing. <laughs> nothing. And it was because it was easier to fight. Uh -huh. And I eat, I, you know, eat, sleep, breathe training. And so I went into that. I went in to then high school and all these other things and started doing like rugby and downhill mountain biking and motocross. And I was always this person who was aggressive. And when I went into the military, it was an easy transition for me. Okay. I snapped right to, mm -hmm. because when I, by the time I, I left high school, I went to college that September and I joined the army 
just like very beginning of December. Mm-hmm. And so I was barely 18 when I joined. And so I was in this kind of aggressive state my whole life. And I went through something there for a hot minute where the coaches I had that were taking me down that path of be- like the Olympics were the ultimate goal for me. Yeah. I was going to do that as my profession. Okay. Um, and it got to a point where my coach actually started sexually assaulting my training partner. Um, and he went to prison for statutory rape um, for, with a minor. And so that crumbled everything. And so there was a, I know for a fact that that was an anger point where it was like, I'm angry and I'm hateful and I'm dark and I'm, and I'm going to be loud and aggressive and verbose because no one's going to fucking hurt me ever again. I'm never going to give him that power and that control over me because he ripped my life away. And there was people that knew about it when it was going on there. It, it's just, it's fucking gross. And I, yeah. I, I, as an adult now being a mother, that behavior just, I cannot overstate how much it like affected the people, the kids that were involved. Um, mm-hmm. And so now knowing that after a decade plus of therapy, uh, yeah. um, you know, moving through that and getting to the army, there was this understanding. I was already smaller. Like it, I'm, there is no like, hey, I'm small and I'm a woman. It's, it's, I'm th- biologically, I'm five foot tall. It just is what it is. Yeah. And I knew what I was going into. I was in incredible shape when I went in. I was playing college soccer. I was trying to go for the team. Um, I didn't make it. And so when I was at the college, I was like, oh, I don't really want to be here much. Mm-hmm. And the situation happened. I joined the military. When I went in, they were very clear. My original MOS was infantry. Okay. That's what I wanted. That's what I was going. That was my happy spot. I was like, this is what I want to go do. They were very, no, no chance. You're not going to make it through the program. You're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that simple. And I was like, cool. So then like, what else? And they're like, armored or artillery. They're both dagged red. We need both. So I was like, okay, well, let's go artillery. I don't want to be in a tank. Something about just the boom and the tin cock. Yeah. No thanks. So um, I was like, well, let's do that. Because then, you know, big boom, lots of fun. So I went that MOS and it was, I loved it. But how can you tell me that I can't lift a pack, but lift a hundred pound round? Yeah. And load those and run that gun. Okay, cool. So I, I, it wasn't a choice to be lazy or weak. It was do it or don't. If you don't, you're out. It's not, it's non-negotiable. This isn't like, oh, you can kind of do it. It was like, do it, don't, or leave. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and that was fine with me because I'm super competitive, highly competitive. I like, feel that. <laughs> it's a vibe. And it's like a detriment to my life. Like when my husband and I golf, like it, it can't just play. Yeah. No, I know like, how it is. <laughs> Believe me, my dad and my boyfriend and I all played Scrabble one night. And I was like, I'm going to fucking kick your ass. Yeah. We're like, at that monopoly stage with mm-hmm. our son who's six right oh, now. It's, yeah. it's a vibe. So, yeah. so when we, when I got into that thing and I, it was just, now it was prove yourself every five seconds, prove yourself, yep. prove yourself. Okay, cool. I, again, no issue with that. I yeah. have no qualms with doing that. So let's do it. So we do it. We go through it. And I get into regiment. Regiment was good. Sarge walked up to me immediately, which by the way, I got posted to a French regiment. I didn't speak. You didn't speak. I didn't speak French. (laughs) So how does that make sense? They needed people (laughs) desperate. Okay. It was tough times. No, go. (laughs) Um, It went, uh, he walked up and he, he's barely, Sergeant LeBlanc barely spoke English. And he goes, I don't want you here. So he knew that. Like Roger that. Thank you so much. This is going to be, this is going to be fun. So it it really became this game of like, okay, I'm going to prove myself in always. And so every five seconds I'd be around someone and I'd be like, question pour vous. Hmm. Clock 
anglais et en français. And they would be like, they would translate for me words. And then I would just start to listen. And then we we would do guns on the course. So I knew mm. how to run a gun, but in French, but sure. not in English. I knew how to run a mortar in French, but not in English. Okay. I can't translate. I don't know what the translation is. Yeah. Right? So like, I was like, I live class, but I understand that. But it's like, open, free. Like, it doesn't work. Yeah. So um, the French were great. Once we kind of got that, everyone, we got comfortable with the fact that I was going to be there and wasn't going anywhere. Sure. We wrapped their brain around that and I was, we're deploying together. It was okay. Um, we deployed. The guys were the guys were good. They were all fucking young. My Sarge, when we went, was 33. Mm-hmm. And we were 18 and 19. Oh. Like, we were all babes. Yeah. And then there was a couple master bombardiers or bombardier chefs who were like 26. So we were a young, we were a young gun troop and there was a wild troop. These guys were. Yeah. They were well, they're young. And they're French. So is that, is that like, like icing on top of the cake? Is that what that is? Well, like here's something that people will like or not like, but so like if you, my husband uh, before or people that I know, they, when you date a French girl, Mm -hmm. they're wild. Okay. So like, they're just a different people. They're They're just like a Euro. They're like a Euro type of people, but from Canada. And so like you go to like, you go to Montreal. Like my husband used to be a professional supercross racer. So we go to the Monster Energy after parties. Well, when you go to Montreal, it fucks. Yeah. Like it's like douche, 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 yes, douche, douche. Like, it's like, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. They know how to party. Yeah. yeah. So they're just a different, they're a different vibe of people. Okay. okay. But we got posted to Ramrod, which was an American fob. With yeah, I was like, saying that sounds familiar. Yeah, with like the 101st who were like from Texas and stuff. Okay. And so they didn't speak English on comms. They didn't speak French. And that was fun. For a little while. So Uh no matter where you go, there's proving yourself, whether it's on deployments, whether it's being in training. But the thing that I don't mind is I don't have a problem with that. I'm not about double standards. I'm not about America's two standards. I've Mm -hmm. been very vocal about it. I've had people don't like that I have, but I don't care. Um, what do you mean? Like, you mean the fact that men and women have different PT standards or stuff like that? That bothers me. Oh no, I've been a proponent about I've been against that the whole time. So here, here's the difference between me and the rest of the Air Force is I have the same standards across the board as men in mm, SEER. Right. And that's why it's difficult for women to get in because the standards are high. Yeah. Right. And the same PT tests that the men take, I have to take the exact same one. Right. There is nothing different. Um, then there's a, once you graduate and you are a SEER specialist as an instructor, the only thing that changes is age. Right. Right. So like they'll sit there and say like being older <laughs> or being younger is that's the only difference. Like you right. had to do maybe a little bit less pull up should you get older or you can right. you, you're allowed to do a swim or something like that. So my thing is if we are paying Just crawling men, I know if we're paying men and women the same thing exactly. and they're doing the same job and they have the same job standards, we should be expecting the same standards across the board as well. I'm less concerned about the pay, obviously. Oh, that's no, no, important. No, I'm, I'm saying the pay is the same, but I'm saying yes. if we're paying, if we're paying everyone the same, right. And if we're, you know, treating everyone the same and they're doing the same job, then right. why are the standards not the same? What drives me nuts about that is the argument that I've had with individuals has always been, well, women should be allowed in the profession. And I've always stated this, and this comes across in business and platforms. I mm-hmm. run a company. I understand how things work. And I know that there's a lot of different conversations happening in a lot of different spaces about, well, we have to have boards have to have X amount of people, you know, but I, I struggle with that. Yes. I think that there should be opportunity for everyone, but I don't agree with that. We should be just be taking people to take people. That's how people get killed. Period. I agree. Her and I have had this conversation multiple times on our podcast. 
having been married to a Green Beret, having been at Free Fall School with all Green Beret, like special operators, Mm -hmm. Green Berets, Navy SEALs and stuff like that, and being one of the only women in the group and having worked with men my entire career, even throwing someone in there like me, who is like... even though I'm a woman, yeah. I, I know how to operate and work with the guys, right? It's still through a wrench in the mix. A hundred and this hundred percent. This is a free fall school, yeah. right? You we're not down in the trenches. We're not like living together out like on the outskirts of town right. and like having not had sex or showered or done anything with anyone in the longest time, right? Yeah. With your spouse or whoever. And so just even the, it was a huge epiphany for me moment because at, before that I, ha, I was ignorant to the whole situation. I was like, women should do everything. Women can do everything. Right. Cause I knew that what I was capable of. Right. And I think sometimes I took that personally and I said, women should be in these jobs. That's not fair. And then once I was at the school, my eyes were opened. And what happened was, was the last night, uh, we all graduated. We're all drinking. And the Sergeant major, of course, hung around, which he never does. So mm-hmm. of course he's making sure. And, you know, there was one guy who like ran his mouth and I jumped on his back and I remember like, I, you know, choked him out. And like, that's what, what guys were doing the whole rest of the yeah, night. So it's okay for them to do it, but not for you. But so what guys were doing the whole rest of the night and uh, a lot of, everyone was laughing and it was funny. And that guy was very much embarrassed. And I remember a couple guys later on came up to me and said, you just demeaned him. You just demasculated him. But that's, such, that's ridiculous. But, see, but, but then, then there was all these guys that were trying to eat the, like, then we all were getting drunk, right? So there's like guys hitting on me or trying to, and other guys were getting super protective and other guys were coming out of the woodwork and everyone wanted to walk me back to my room. And, you know, it, it was a very difficult oh, yeah. situation. And I, this, the next morning I sat there cause we were having this, this was like, all of us were having a conversation about women being an SF because this, it was, it brought, it was brought up then. Right. Because this was a conversation being happened at the very, very top. Yeah. There was stuff going on not that long ago or a couple of years ago where Rangers, was it a girl, girl made it through in range in the Ranger school? Oh, that was a while ago. Yes. Was that was a hot minute, right? Yeah. That was, yeah, that was a while ago because, um, that was kind of where it first in, initially started was they had, they were having women go through Ranger school, not okay. Ranger battalion, but Ranger right. school, Ranger school. And uh, I remember too, when the air force came down and Congress was like, Hey, we need the air force to write a report on what different things need to be changed or if anything needs to be changed to integrate women into air force special operations jobs. And so my chief at the Pentagon at the time was all like, Hey, Tiffany's like our go-to seeker girl. Right. And she's the only one who's been through any like jobs that are remotely close to it. So they sent me to, to monitor all these schools and to write a report and it had to be very black and white and it couldn't be really be opinionated. But at the end, I definitely added some opinions based upon my professional experience. Right. And, um, you know, the biggest thing from all the men is they, they all vocalized. They didn't care who did the job. Their biggest concern, which I completely understand was if, is if the standards were going to be lowered. Right. Because their thing is they don't care who does the job, right. what race, what religion, what gender. They want to make sure that they are all going to be cohesive as a team and can right. depend upon each other and that they're going to get home to their families. Because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. That's all that fucking really matters. And I can understand that. And so the, what really was disheartening to me was after reading the report, because um, they sat me down and they said, hey, read these reports from the army. And these women, they went to ranger school. There were so many things initially that were changed. Right. And I'm like, that is going to give the illusion, right. whether it's true or not, that they are getting pushed through and that they are getting special treatments. Right. And same thing, you know, I had a combat rescue officer 
verbalized to me that he had his woman trying out to be a crow as well. And he was like, she failed the PT test. And he, and he goes, so we took her aside like we do with all the men and gave her tips and pointers and all this stuff to help her. And he said, most people, he said, most men will sit there and PT and PT hard, hard, hard and get it for done. months, 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 and then come back and pass it. But her goal was apparently to be the first woman in combat rest, like combat rescue or to be a combat rescue officer. So she came back the next reiteration and failed the test again. And the guys were like, the, and then they all of a sudden saw what her intentions were. And the problem with that is they now see women do that and they start to think. So the example that was set right off the bat, they start to think generally most women are like that. Right. So that sometimes happens. And so Angie and I've talked about it before. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Was all these changes necessary? Do we really need women in these jobs? Is it making that much of a difference? And her and I both say, no, not really. It depends on where you are. I think it depends on where you are, but here's our thing. We're not saying women aren't capable of it. No, you're just saying like, is it worth actually having to do the change, the integration? Because it does throw a unit. Is it worth embedding with them? Here's my thing. We have a particular skill set as women. We have, the men have strengths and the women have strengths. Like we have our strengths and weaknesses. Why don't we cater and tailor things to women's strengths? And why why can't we just make an all female team? Well, that's what the IDF do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They have their women's special forces over there. They have all women. Correct. Because they can do things that the men can't do. Exactly. And so sometimes putting a woman in with the man, the men can throw a wrench into things because they might not be able to go in certain areas because of, and it's because of the, what they believe in the religion and everything else. Right. And so they might be restricted. Whereas women can get in certain locations that the men can't get in at all. And there's certain things they can do that men can't and vice versa. So to me, sometimes I sit there and wonder, I think, I said, I think this is a great idea. I definitely think we should have women in these realms, but does it have to be particularly with the men? Why can't we just make our own? Do you think that there's going to be enough women to want to fill those roles or to even, could you, could you really make that many units out of it? I mean, I, the thing is, is it going to be something equivalent to like Navy SEALs or special forces where it's going to be so many, I don't think there's gonna be that much, but the thing is too, there's nothing available at this time. When you think about it, there's not a program there. There's nothing established. There's nothing that's bringing women in. They don't have their own like recruiting services or anything else. Like everyone else does. They're not in movies or anything. So it's not, they don't write books about each other. Yeah. Right. Yet. But what I'm saying is therefore that that's a huge recruiting tool. So uh, maybe if there's something established, and I think there, here's the thing is, I do know there are some things established, which I can't really speak that much on, but it's very, very secret and far and few between. And you only hear about it through certain people. And then you can't, and then if you do it, you can't talk about it anymore. Yeah. It's not a broad overview and a conversation happening. Correct. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, that's a whole different realm, but for you guys. So like you guys have the same standards. Yeah. I mean, they've listen. That's incredible. Listen, the Canadian armed forces recently over the past couple of years has, they are adapting. Um, how do I say? So when I went, I got invited to go do my last round with the Canadian Armed Forces because when they had me in Afghanistan, they messed up. So they me- and they messed up bad. Um, so this, my sergeant who I had in Afghanistan, who was there and helped me when everything went sideways and whatever, when they had him. They did not tell him where I went. Okay. So we had a 10 year gap where he has no idea where I went. And they were, he was trying to figure out like, and then he started seeing stuff on social media. And then Mary Eve Labonte, she, I was able to connect, uh, who was my old, my old instructor able to connect us to. So I connected with him recently 
And over the past couple of years, while he was deployed to Mali, he was saying to a couple of people like, hey, I have this person and I want to make it right. I want to really make it right. She never got to shoot a last round as a gunner. That's what you get, period. Mm -hmm. And so he, they worked on it and it took an entire year. And I went out um, a couple months ago to Gagetown, New Brunswick and shot my last round on the 105s um, and then shot for three hours more because I couldn't stop because um, <laughs> I'm addicted, addicted to it. That was, I love it. So I love it so, 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 so much. Um, like, I How love much? So, so, so much. <laughs> like you, that's the best clip ever. No, it's true. You don't understand. Like I, I love to make things explode. Um, so anyway, we did that. But what was really, really great about what we had going until I got there was realizing the changes. Um, so you can like color your hair and like your beard, whatever color you want. You can have like a ton of makeup on. You can have like fucked up hair with your beret on. Mm -hmm. You can have like your hair down and sloppy. You can have like bright nail polish. Ridiculous. And <laughs> I don't agree with a lot of these changes. Those are all the changes now? Yeah. And then, and then there's been some physical ones where like wow. pushups have been lowered to very low numbers. Oh. And it makes me sad because yeah. I understand the readiness factor. When I came in before I even signed all the dotted line, like you're deploying. We yeah. need humans. Just don't know when, but you're going. I'm like, okay, I know that. So there's a readiness level that I, when I was in, we were at. We yes. were turning over every six months in Canada. All the deployment units, like all of the combat arms roles, everyone was turning every six months. And that's just the way it went. We don't have a ton of bases that have like you guys, you guys, you guys have so many bases. Do you I guys know. know how many bases you guys have? <laughs> Can somebody, could you find, the, could you, Tira, could you Google the number of how many bases? Okay. You wouldn't be able to tell me. <laughs> National security risk. I'm a foreign national. <laughs> Is this true? You're not wrong. You can't tell me, but you can have China buy out right beside all your bases. That's fair. Yeah. It is fair. They do have better food. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of wild. So anyway, we were cranking and I was in a time where physical fitness was super important. Yeah. Your, your standards were super high. Your high readiness, you were ready. And I don't... That's not a thing it, anymore. It just... It, bothers me they can wear non-issued boots they don't have to shine really? any shit like well that's that changed a long time ago in our military though that was the <sighs> thing when i first joined we had you know uh well bdu pants so they were made yes. for a jungle environment right because that's where our guys were op obviously operating before Cute. yeah super cow. and uh, i literally wore them the other day it shot my first ones i got from basic training yeah, in 2007 did. and um you had to shine your black boots and yes. you had to starch and iron your uniform and your sleeves had to be so sharp they should cut people as you mm -hmm. walk by yeah and then of course we then transitioned to the abus and that was just a uniform that you could throw in a ball in the corner of your room and the boots were, you know, just like a cottony, whatever yep. shitty material that you didn't even have to ever really wash. They could be dirty as can be and no one cared. See, that's what we had. And we had like people deployment lost, kit. Yeah, people lost. Um, I don't know. I think the. The passion, the like. I'm trying to think of the correct word for like the, the uniform, the care, the, the just, care, the, the love, the like the, the, that's the dedication, yes. the everything. And then all of a sudden people stop caring. Do you know the word? 
The dis- well, I mean, oh. it's a, it really was a huge discipline as you know, too, because of course it was. You could always tell who the dirt bags were by the way that they looked in uniform. Before, yeah, right? the way their boots were bloused, mm-hmm. bloused with their shine, the way that their uniform looked. You can tell who was a shit bag and who gave a fuck and who actually had, you know, passion for their job and who actually gave a f- who cared. Yeah, it it stood out. It was obvious. I always appreciated. Um, so you had to blouse your boots unless you were airborne. Okay. If, if you were airborne, you could tuck. Oh, so I Fancy. just see. I just tucked because my my kit. They don't make kit for dolls. Um, <laughs> this humans that are this small. Yeah, and so you have to roll them like four times and stuff. So I would just tuck that shit, and every they would always give you grief about it. And I'd be like, look. They're too big. I can't blouse them. They would look sloppy and I can't. It's either they look sharp or they look sloppy. And I'm yeah. not, I just can't. I'd rather get yelled at. I feel you there. Do you guys, when you were, you're still in. Yeah. Shit. What year did you get in? 2007. Okay. So when you got in, what was your hair policies like? Ours was very strict. Right. So it's not like it is now. And I have, I've worn my hair. So like you, if you had short hair, it couldn't touch the bottom of your collar. Right, right. Um, you, you couldn't, you could have bangs, but they couldn't, they had to be above your eyebrows. You have bangs? You could have bangs, but they had to be above your eyebrows. So they were oh, like, they were so tiny no, bangs. Yeah. So, so nobody no had one bangs. Had them unless you had a 10 head, like a forehead, <laughs> you know, a 10 head instead. Right. But then women had bangs because they were super, you right. They could, right. I made a really dumb decision one time to cut bangs. Did you bangs. do bangs? I cut bangs once and I got the low ones that were like down here in my eyes like this. And they looked hot when I was not in uniform. Not in uniform. And then when I was in uniform, I realized I had to curl them and they were like oh, this. No. Oh and no. Realized, so they were both. <laughs> I, was, I was at E3 and I looked like every e, old E9 oh. woman in the Air Force. And I was like, fuck me. And so I just start pinning them back. But oh. um, you had to have your hair like there was no flyaways, no nothing. Yeah. And you had to have it back in a nice tight bun, yeah. you know, and it had to be prof- very professional looking. Did, did you wear the it's like the food net around the bun to keep the flyaways? I did not wear a food net. But, you know, what are those things called? They were like. Um, but I, I, I rolled my socks and made a donut to put oh, my hair around so, so I get the perfect that. bun. And then I use a fuck ton of hairspray. A lot of women use all the gel and everything else. I don't think you can have a net on it at so all. So we had to have like, yeah, we had nets on them to like. Oh, no, yeah, I don't think we were like, allowed to have any additional accessories well, like we, that. We, could you do the braid in the helmet? Are you allowed to braid? What's the deal in your helmets? How do you, do you guys have to bun in your helmet? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not fair. The helmets, well, you guys have better helmets than us. Yes and no, because I, I'll tell you every time I had to qualify for for shooting for my deployments, it, it, that was horrible because the helmet was getting pushed down, yeah, in pushed. The, pushed down in the front and it would hurt my bun in the back and sometimes I had to loosen it up. Yeah, so if that everything. affects your, your, your readiness or your ability it to didn't. fire. Okay, so, but that should be, oh, that should be able to be overlooked. So what was funny is in the big blue Air Force is what we call it, like the regular Air Force, they wouldn't allow you. But in SEER, like well, I'd, be out, different. I'd be out in the field and I'd have my hair in a point, like not a ponytail, but in a braid a lot of times. Like they didn't care because I was an instructor. As long as I look professional, my hair really didn't matter. I didn't right. have to have it in a perfect bun. We're in the field. So we could do a braid. We were allowed a braid. Okay. We could do a braid. So when you had the helmet, you could do the low braid. Yeah. But here's the thing though, but the low braid, if you had layered hair, oh my it God. would come apart. Oh, I know it would. So then it I would, would get threatened to get it cut off. So you'd be doing a ruck march. You'd finish your ruck march and they'd be back from like the back of my, my tack vest and everything, rubbing on the back and it'd be fraying in the back and they would come around and knife hand me about my fucking phrase. And I'm like, there's not a goddamn thing in there. Cut it off. I'm like, I'm not cutting it off. There's literally nothing I can do. 
Like I'm literally trying here. Yeah. But like, that's hard. Can you worry about the fact that I completed the rock march and not my hair? hair? Like this was obnoxious. And that was the weird part about all that was just sometimes that the people who did pay attention to the hair, right. but not to anything else. It was like, okay. Yeah, it was gross. But it's weird now because they can wear their hair so many different ways. Yes. My hair's too long to wear into a braid or yes. a pony. Um, and I have to like, pin it up it, it's like a weapon because it's just so thick like it's a ball on the end and I'm like I can't do you sit on it yet are you almost at that point yet uh no I don't think I no I'm not that close okay. to it but, but that I don't want to be that close that's to a vibe. it I would yeah, I you would will sit on it I, it's yeah. a vibe don't do it and it would hurt but I I'm still in the bun mode because I think that looks the most professional I've right. seen you know and I think it's my biggest thing is I think it's great though because I do know that uh, there was a lot of women in the military who um lost a lot of their hair mm. And I understand like, you know, men can are going to talk about things too. My biggest thing is I think there's still a right way to do things. Agreed. And so my biggest thing with the change is that there's people who are always going to take advantage of it and they are. And so there was always people who still look sloppy with the buns and some people just got away with it. And there's like, there's some people who are going to take advantage of it looking right now. Well, it's no different than any other profession, right? It's what, what, do you take pride in your job? Correct. Do you take pride in what you do and how you live your life? Is that something that is important to you? But for some people, aesthetics and things like clothing, they just, there's, it's not. It's funny because when I started kind of jumping into this community, the especially last year at SHOT Show, there was a comment that was made and I kind of laughed to myself because I, I don't understand, but they're like, you dress nice. What, I'm like, for what? Like for what? For like, what? Yeah. They're like, you know, for being a woman. Yeah. Being- you know, you're in this environment. Like, I'm surprised you dress like that. And I'd be like, why, why is that? <laughs> they're like, well, do you shoot any guns? And I'm like, I'm not allowed guns in Canada. And they're like, so that's why you have those nails like that. And I'm like, I, what if I can just, what if I just like my nails yeah. like this? But the thing that I noticed is like, you're not walking up to a guy being like, you're looking sharp tonight. Yeah. You're looking sharp. I didn't know you, I didn't know you could look that sharp. Yeah. You look that sharper in this public. <laughs> you feel good about walking around like that. My point is, it's like no one ever says that. No one ever fucking says that. But for some reason, that seemed to needed to be pointed out. Yeah, you know, you dress all right. Oh, okay, thank you. As opposed to what I know, but I, I guess maybe I'm just so immune to that because any time that I, okay, so like we would, ha- we had a PJ unit one time. I was a, te- I'm a, I was a test parachutes. I'm technically am a test parachutes still. I just don't actively test parachutes. And so I feel like I wouldn't want to test parachutes. I know so many people think that it's like a horrible thing, but you have to think by the time that a parachute gets to the military, it's already been like other people have jumped it. Traditionally, the army has probably jumped it. The Air Force has to jump their own and test their own. And traditionally, we're doing it with our own gear that our pilots would use. Yeah, but that's like being like a test pilot. Like, why would you want to do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, because I mean, look at the job that we're in. Like, we literally just destroy our bodies. And no, I get it. We love it. And we like doing like I just feel like the word test doesn't yeah. need to be in part of my profession. <laughs> I'll take the used. Don't give me the your test one? bullshit. Well, that's the thing is they were used. They weren't like brand new. They were used parachutes too. The, the on word top test of was involved. I know. That's too far. But I remember we had all these guys come and they're so used to seeing me looking like a slob all day long. Right. Like you're jumping out of planes, you're taking helmets off, your hair's a mess, whatever. You're in baggy uniforms. And then I remember we all went out to eat one night and I'm wearing just jeans and a, and a black, you know, T-shirt or a black long sleeve. And I have some, you know, makeup on. And they were like, how dare you? Who are you? You? That's underneath all this. Like, you're not a monster, are how you? How could you dress like this? And it was just kind of funny because I was like, I am surprised. I have yeah. boobs and a yeah, it's not uterus. Shocking. And yes. um, it's just funny, right? It is. 
you know, it's the same thing. Like I don't sit there and go, wow, you like you clean up nice. Yeah. You're <laughs> okay when you shower, yeah. <laughs> you know, in all fairness, wow, you don't smell like asshole anymore. In all fairness, like, yeah. most of the lives I do, if I'm building, I'm in sweatpants with a bun on my head Yeah, or a hat on my head. So yeah. I, I mean, I get it. So, but it was, it was, it was weird. I think it was because I'm, I don't know. I've, the company has been around for almost eight years now, but predominantly really started to step into America outside of a retail space mm -hmm. and into like more of the, the podcast world only about a couple yeah. of years ago. So it's been an interesting response to watch how people are when I'm around. Uh, surrogate Canadian is thrown around often. People have opted to uh, offer to hold guns for me just so that I can own guns because I can't <laughs> actually have guns in Canada. Yeah. We're like, you got a place in Texas. Like, of I'm course, like, I, I love you. Thank you so much. And, but like, it's been the coolest experience to get to walk into this community and yeah. see it in all its glory. Yeah. The good, the bad, the ugly, the, the, you know, the podcast world of it, the YouTube world of it, the, the company business side, then the industry side. And it's been a really coming from the fashion industry after the military. It's like a, a, a breath of fresh air yeah. because, um, I was in this space where I was trying to educate civilians on what military go through by running it through the company, thinking, well, I could take from the masses and give to the community. Mm -hmm. And then after COVID, I kind of realized really quickly that um, civilians really only care uh, about what's going on with veterans' mental health only because their mental health's in peril. Mm. Um, I had this conversation with Terry yesterday. That makes yesterday. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah, because they don't, and especially in like Canada and some other countries where the militaries are smaller, so the VAs aren't as big and we just don't have the support of like the community. They're like, no freedom allowed in Canada. You enjoy Trudeau. So like they oh. don't, they don't want, they don't like military because military stands for freedom and stands for, mm. and so we're just not like, there's places that love us and then there's the rest. Yeah. You know, so for us, it's walking into this space, um, getting back into like industry trade shows and being at events like this and stuff like that and doing like the, I did the Warrior Angel 4 by 4 by 48 for Heroic Hearts and Vets and being and getting to do all of those things and be a part of this has been like just a real, it's it's really special. Yeah. Um, and I wish more Americans would realize how lucky they have it in America community wise, because I don't think people do until they go to other countries traditionally. No, and they don't. And that's why I bring it up, too, though, because I, I see it from the outside. Mm -hmm. I live on the border. I can I can literally go, huh? I'm in Washington. Oh, I go, ha, like I'm back movie? in Canada. Like, yeah, I do yeah, it. I have like, a video. <laughs> I run along the border. Border runners come in and I go, it's not my problem. <laughs> like, I, that's how close I am. And so, yeah. I mean, they're not as bad as your borders. Yeah. Um, but we, we definitely guys still try to come to Canada. Anyway, so it is, it's been a real privilege to kind of step into that and be welcomed into that through with all these organizations and all these people and, and kind of be like, no, it's, it's, it's okay that you're Canadian. We'll only harass you forever about it. But <laughs> I wish more Americans would acknowledge how good it can be. You guys have community everywhere. You mm -hmm. guys have upwards of 50,000 veteran nonprofits in America. You guys have so many people that want to help you. Yeah. But some, for some reason, a lot of us stand in our own way still. We do. And I wish the, the people like hear one thing. It's that like, just look up and realize how much you have around you and like how many people that are willing to help you and want to help you and see you succeed and get better and heal. And America has it everywhere. Yes. Like, everywhere. And I wish Canada would be more like that. I wish, you know, the UK, like a lot of my British friends, like they, they're like, we don't have like, that's not like, 
we have our bros. We meet, we meet that. But it's not, my God, like you guys have a coffee. Do you know you guys have a coffee company that was like started by a bunch of weird dudes <laughs> who is so big that it's everywhere in America. And now like you guys have a veteran coffee company that's as big as Starbucks or bigger that you guys can hang out in. And when you say face melting things, mm-hmm. people don't look at you like you're going to burn the place down and murder everyone in it. Yeah. Like you guys have spots <laughs> and do. you've got states where you guys can be unapologetically yourselves. Mm-hmm. That is so goddamn cool. Please start acting we, accordingly. We don't. I again, you can tell us until you're blue in the face. What you deal with, right? Or where, like what Canada has and then versus what us. But I do, honestly, I have seen that a lot of times it isn't until someone goes to another country and can visibly see with their own two eyes how other people are living and go, holy shit, we have been taking this for granted for how long? You would think, though, that people in the military community, having been well-traveled, most of us having been deployed and seeing how other people live, would would appreciate that. I do think you said we do stand in our own way. And I think sometimes it's easy to stand our own way if we don't want to move forward. Absolutely. Because if we're not ready to take that step or if we want to hold ourselves back or if we want to keep living in this poor me, pity me life, guess what? Mentality. We, will, we, will not, we will not move forward and appreciate and see those things that are all in front of us. What's really nice about what you guys have is you guys have the Second Amendment. Yep. Um, what's cool about that is it prevents uh, your Veterans Affairs from offering assisted suicides to its veterans because it would literally make its veterans go bananas and mm-hmm. they would use those guns. We get offered assisted suicide instead of treatment. Wow. So, wow. you know, everyone complains about the VA in the States and it blows my mind sometimes because I'm like, yeah, we, you know, it, it can get bad. It can be good. It has its positives. It is, if you know how to work the system, it can work. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. is- it does work. And so we shit on it all the time. But like, at least, at least you guys aren't offering people at the most vulnerable point, vulnerable point in their life when they're saying, I need help for a TBI or PTSD or my limbs or financial or whatever it is. And the response on the phone isn't, hey, but why don't you try made medical assistant and dying? It can fix all your problems and make your pain go away. And guess what? Your family will still get the death benefit because it won't be a suicide. Holy right? shit. So here's what's really crazy. This started getting I remember hearing about this once and for some reason I think it just got lost in my brain. No, it didn't get yeah. lost. It got quieted. Probably, yeah. So here's the thing. Um, Veterans Affairs of Canada has been offering made as of 2019 to veterans in lieu of treatment. Wow. So I've seen with my own eyes documents. We had a whistleblower, Christine, uh, Christine Gauthier. She's a Paralympian. I've heard of her. Yep. She's been on the show. She was on last week, um, seen paperwork. I know the other special operator that was offered it over the phone. I've listened to the voice notes. I've heard them. The thing that blows my mind is our community is in a space of sadness and the loneliness epidemic that is raging, mm-hmm. even though we're all connected to these phones. Mm-hmm. Somehow we're supposed to be more, we're supposed to be more caring now that we can talk to somebody in Nigeria whenever we want on FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet we've completely lost uh, empathy for one another. We've uh, drawn inward and only care about ourselves and me, 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 me. And that's why 44 a day are happening. That's why we are losing more now than we've ever lost. And it drives me bananas because we have a community in America 
that if we started holding ourselves accountable Mm -hmm. and acting accordingly and showing the fuck up the same way that you were going to show up if you were standing side to side in a firefight, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't be having this happen. This is preventable. This shit is fixable. It's (laughs) not that fucking hard, Mm -hmm. but we don't utilize the community with that we have. And so when I'm on the outside going, oh my God, you guys have like six different locations you guys can go to in like one town. And you've got like a Black Rifle Coffee sitting there. And then you've got like a a VA there. And then you've got like these podcasters that want like, you've got, reach out. You guys have it. You just need to connect each other's dots. Mm -hmm. You guys are there. You just need to use it. Because I would hate to keep, keep seeing the climb of suicides when, more than ever, we're more connected. I agree. That's the saddest part about it. It's super that's sad. A, that's the saddest part about it because you would think with us being more connected that there would be less, but there's actually almost more. It's like- It, it requires effort though. That's it, the that, thing. Well, that, that is the thing. And I think that is the issue sometimes with social media. There is a lot of lip service and there is a lot of g- things that are, they want to appear good. Yeah. Right? Without the effort behind it. It is, you know- I mean, I grew up with my dad saying like, I'm from the show me state, so show me. You can talk all day long, but if you're not showing me your actions, that means shit. Right. And so you do see a lot of that online mm-hmm. everywhere. And I'm sure we've all done it sometime in our life saying we want to help someone and we have the purest intentions too. Sometimes our, we fall flat as well. Right. Right. I'm sure I've been there before multiple times where, you know, like where there was all always true intentions and I maybe didn't have helped as much as I would like to. I, l- I would like to think <laughs> that has happened to me, but I feel like that's my one strength I've got. That's good. I know that's like, I don't, I don't know. Tear, he tears my friend. I think he knows. I think I'm a good human sometimes. I think that's, I do it to a fault too yeah. though. I check on people to a fault. I put myself in my, I put me last. Yeah. Um, that's like one thing I've always been like though, right? It's always been people had, how do we get, how do we help? What do we do? What can I do? How do I, like I told Tier right before we started, I'm like, I just got myself involved in something. I do not have the space for, um, but I'm going to do because I can't help myself. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I think that's my one strong trait that I, I am proud of is I, I will show up so much it hurts. Oh, yeah. you'll hate me by the time I'm done. I'm that friend that sends voice notes and mm-hmm. refuses to text. I'm the friend that'll FaceTime you in uncomfortable moments and I will show up with tacos and sit there and I don't give a shit. Yeah. I will do it because it's at some point, if I've done, out of all the things I've done in my life, out of all the things I wish I was never a part of and the things I wish I could take back and the 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 stuff on deployments and, you know, just the stuff that you wonder if you can ever be forgiven for. Mm-hmm. Out of everything I've done, the least that I can do now is show the fuck up every goddamn day. Yeah. Because I really am a big believer in like, I don't know that tomorrow will exist. Yeah. Like you just hit your head so many times that you're concerned that you're going to start losing memory really quick because that's a trend with TBIs, right? Like that's a real thing. And I, I think about that stuff. It's affected my family and my husband with one. And it's, I think about those things. Like I really genuinely am like almost too much where I'm like, what if I just don't, what happens if I just don't wake up tomorrow? Like what will, it's not that I care what other people think. It's like, but will I have done everything that I know I could have done? Yeah. You know, I live by, I live viciously by that 1% better every day thing. Mm -hmm. Like, and that doesn't mean like in business or whatever. That could be like, 
I was 1% kinder to myself today. Yeah. I was 1% more patient with my son. I gave myself 1% more water than I did yesterday. You know, you know, these are the things though. These are the small steps. I absolutely understand that. Yeah. You got to give yourself some grace, man. Mm -hmm. You do. And I, so I think, you know, showing up for people, it's not easy to do and not everyone has time for it. But I think if you can make time for one or two extra people in your life, you'll never know if that will be the difference between them staying with us and them leaving. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I've always been the type of person that when I do, when I have someone there and I ask, that's the thing too, is I feel like a lot of the people that I have in my life don't ask for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So therefore I sit there and I, I will give it and I will give and give and give and give and yeah. give. I think sometimes I, I have to be careful because I have given so much to the point to where I have nothing left in me. Yeah. Your and cup so is empty. That, that is where that sometimes, cause I will sit there just like I did on my marriages essentially. And I will work and work and work to fix everything I can. But if the other person's not doing anything I am losing myself in it. Of course. And then at the end of the day, I'm sitting there going like, we can try everything to make this work. But if you're not putting in any little effort in, then like, you know. Yeah, there's a line and a limit where you have to respect yourself and your boundaries. And I think that's where I get down on myself sometimes because I will, I can give and give and give and give. But then when the person's like, no, 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 no. Or starts to, you know, like that's where I'll get to myself Mm -hmm. sometimes. I sit there and I always think to myself, there's always more I can do. Mm-hmm. There's always, I'm, I'm sure there's something else I can do or maybe, um, I mean, I've never lost anyone in that sense like that. Um, and I guess this is where I can get down on myself sometimes is because I'm like my mother who will sacrifice. I feel like everything for people mm-hmm. at some point and then it gets to the time where it's like, Oh, I really feel almost fucked over some ways or taken advantage of maybe. And so I guess I have to try to be careful of that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, you know how like, the, so Angie and I have talked about before being people pleasers. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. and um, yeah, you have to be careful with that. You do have to be careful with that. And I think I'm still trying to find my line. Does that make sense? Yeah. And my, and that's the, one of the biggest things is like learning how to say no. That's been a thing for me and yes. not like, no, because like, I hate you and I don't want to work with you, but like, I know, cause I can't. So that's the thing is I still have to remind myself of that saying no to someone doesn't make me a bad person. No, it doesn't. And so I'm still learning that in some sense, right? Like yeah. creating my own boundaries. And I think that's why sometimes I do get hard on myself because I feel like maybe I could have done more. Maybe I could have reached out a little bit more. Mm. Maybe not even to someone who is suicidal, but maybe someone who might need it. But then it gets to the point to where it's like, I'm overstepping my own boundaries. Right. And that's where I have to be careful. I'm The funny thing is I'm still learning and have a tendency to learn by through extremes is yeah. what the way I seem to learn. It's either one extreme or another. And then I eventually go, Ooh, there's a balance in this. And yeah. so sometimes it takes me a little bit to get to that balance. Yeah, but that's okay. It's understanding that life isn't also going to be a linear process and mm-hmm. it's going to, it's going to have extremes. So if that's how you learn, well, you're going to be just fine then because mm-hmm. that's something that's always going to be guaranteed. Life is going to always do this. Yeah. So you've just got lots of lessons coming. That's yeah. just, you just have that's to see way, it as lessons. Believe me, that's the way we love to learn. <laughs> lessons. That's for fucking it's okay. shit. Good, like, listen, small lessons, those small things, those small steps, they stack, they make things better. And over time, next 365, you're going to be 100% better than you were the year before because Absolutely. you put in that 1%. Just keep well, that's what's been in. happening, you know? But I will say sometimes it's almost like, why do I, like, you know, it's like, the it's like, why do I have to be this way? Like, why do I have to learn this way? But I will say is that sometimes it does feel like it does take a while, but by mm-hmm. the time it gets to that point, it's like, thank God I'm here. And now it, it just feels 
like it's it all makes sense once you get to that point. When you look backwards and you connect the dots, hindsight is definitely like it's a bitch for sure. I yeah. like I said that recently. I try to sit down every six months and reflect on like the past little bit Smart. so that I don't overstep or overlook because as things progress in my life, I'm being afforded a lot of amazing things. And I would hate to rush through what is going to be. I'm going to be looking back and going, God, that was the coolest time of my life. Right. You know, I've done That's that before. I write and journal a lot. Yeah. I do a lot of video journaling too. Yeah. yeah. Cause there are times where um I've been in been in dark, dark places. Right. And I didn't think I was gonna get out of and I look back and I can watch it and go. And I actually sometimes I'm like, oh if only I can give the the love right? I have for me now to you, I would have wished that. But then it's also a good reminder and not in a way to feel sorry for myself, but in a way to be like proud of myself. Right. Because I think we have the tendency, especially in the military community, to be super, super fucking hard on ourselves. Right. And um, I think, too, we're so used to other people, you know, holding us to such high standards that we hold ourselves to even higher standards. Mm-hmm. And looking back and be like, you know what? I need to be proud of where, where I came from. That's something that my doctor is like on repeat. I'll be like, if I get frustrated, I feel like I'm slipping or like something's come up or I just, I'm not a hundred percent where I want to be. He'll be like, you've got to be kidding me. You Mm got to knock it off. Look, okay. Where were we six months ago? Where were we 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. Come on. You can't, it's, you can't even, it's not even on the same playing field. Correct. So you have to be willing to sit and reflect and look inward and go, okay, where have I come from? I may not be where I want to mm-hmm. be, but this is just a blip and a sliver on the journey that is going to be this life. So the least that you can do is sit down and appreciate it. Correct. You appreciate it. It's not going to impede your growth or no. make you a terrible person. No. That's just you recognizing the work that you have put in and to sit there and like to keep moving forward. Cause it's kind of like, give, you know, it's giving yourself like a little prize or a pat on the back. Yeah. And why, why not though? Yeah. But we work off affirmation. So why not? I know. Absolutely. So you got to do, that's the thing is you have to do it to yourself too. Well, you just have to be kind to yourself. That's something that we forgot how to do. That's Mm -hmm. part of our issue is we are ruthlessly, especially type A, we are ruthlessly competitive. We're rough on ourselves and we are just not good at just taking a step back and going, nah, I didn't like the way I do that, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I'll try again tomorrow. Correct. We just got to Instead of sitting there and going grace. like, you fucking stupid piece yeah, of shit. Self-talk. Can't you fucked up, right? That was one thing I really had to learn. That was one thing that was keeping me, that was keeping me uh, from really actually growing into the potential of who I am. Right. Was the way I spoke to myself. Oh my God. And it's so funny because you could do everything in the world Right. But the minute, like, but if you were still talking in a negative way and yeah. I talk to myself a lot cause I'm a fucking crazy person in my head. Right. So I'm always like saying something, but I would get to the point to where it was like, I can't believe you did that or look at you and like in the mirror, Oh God, you look so ugly at anything. And I got to the point where I was like, I don't give a fuck if you believe yourself or not, you're going to start saying positive words for yourself. There is something to be said about um, visualization manifestation. And there's something to be said about, um, Sticky notes. Mm-hmm. You ever mm-hmm. sticky note your house? No, my, we, me and my sisters grew up sticky noting our mirrors in the bathroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sticky notes. And writing on like little, I, they, I don't know if they were, they're called affirmations now, but we used to write little quotes and stuff to ourselves to remind yeah. us of things. There is something to be said about constantly having that affirmation given to you, whether you're giving it to yourself or someone else is giving it to you. Mm-hmm. That is something that I try, I, I try to do with others and I'm, very vocal about it. Like, I'll tell you if I like something about you, I'm like, oh, that's great. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. 
I have a tendency of doing it uh, like when I'm out and my husband's with me and he he thinks I'm hilarious. Obviously, he calls me chatty Kath. No one's shocked. My mother's <laughs> name's also Kathy, who's yeah. also very chatty. There you go. And we'll go to the grocery store and it'll just be like the... It'll be one of the tellers that's really, really nice. And she just, she's dressed really nice. So she got her nails and I'm like, I do the same my thing. My God, Tina, Tina, I'm here for it. I'm here for that vibe. I love it, girl. She'll be like, oh, hi, Kelsey. How are you? And I'm like, how's your family? What's going on? Yeah. She'll be like, how's your day going? But like, I try to give people a little moment or break out of bullshit. Yeah. Even if it's, they find it silly or they laugh or they giggle or it's just a second. Just giving people that little affirmation because you don't know if they're getting it at all ever mm -hmm. from anyone. Absolutely. And self-talk is, self-talk is one of the most important things. And if you can get your self-talk to be somewhat positive or gentle mm -hmm. on yourself and you're not berating yourself and putting yourself down. The body listens. Mm -hmm. The does. brain listens. When you speak, you're spelling it into existence. Mm -hmm. So when you say, bitch, you look ugly, you're going to feel ugly. And I did. Absolutely. And I would pick my body apart. And I had, I had body dysmorphia for, I don't know, even know how long I had eaten disorders when I was younger. And it was all these things that I had having to deal with. I would constantly pick apart my body. I remember looking in the mirror and always finding something wrong with it. Even, you know, if everyone else was like, oh my God, it's so great. Mm -hmm. And so it got to the point now where, and I also used to care a lot what people thought, right? And it got to the point now where I look at it and I, and I'm thankful for it, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, like, I, you know, I sometimes still make jokes at my own expense, which yes. I still have the tendency to do. You know what I mean? But I'm still like, you're beautiful. And these the stretch marks I used to worry about, I'm like, that just shows Miles, girl. Like, that just shows all the things what that you've been cat, through. Uh, cat, the cat, cat stripe. Cat, yeah, the, the cat Williams says, like, he's like, uh, what is that? He's like, they're just tiger stripes, girl. Tiger stripes, girl. Tiger yeah, stripes, exactly. girl. But all the things, right? And I, and I'm, and the thing is too, is, if I'm like, you know what? You are beautiful. Right. But if you happen to not be happy with your body that you have right now, then guess what? Go there, do there's something. There's change that you can make, right? So you can't get down on yourself because you haven't been doing what you need to do. So we need to start buckling down and be dedicated to it. Yeah. And, you know, and so let's start working out, but let's give us, let's give ourselves some grace. You are still beautiful no matter what. And so that's what I have to fucking do. But- can we stop telling young children that morbidly obese people on the cover of magazines are healthy? Yes. Because they're not. And I'm not here for it because those are impressionable children's and you're telling them that three and 400 pound overweight people are healthy. Yes, you're beautiful because every that's, human is. I think that's the thing is the they're getting the words mixed up here. Yeah, right? they are because they're trying to tell them that it's acceptable because when the new food pyramid comes out that says that Frosted Flakes Dude, is healthier is than fucking meat. Then and like steak. Yeah. The best one was when orange juice with calcium was above boneless, skinless chicken breast. <laughs> How the fuck? Wasn't it Lucky Charms? It was oh, Lucky, it's up there. Lucky Charms Frosted at flakes. the top with, yeah, where then like your meats and bison and stuff like that was like down below. Uh, beef, ground beef was the lowest yeah, one. Lowest. So you have to reflect what you're feeding them in order because if you don't, then they won't be able to sell the magazine. So my point in saying that is you can get healthy, you can be better, but also knock it off and stop telling me that you're healthy because you're not. And I don't stand for that because the people that do work tooth and nail to be healthy, to not be burdens on the system because I'm okay. in Canada, so I have different healthcare. Yep. You know, those people, the ones that we have to wait the years and years and years for operations to have ACLs and things fixed, all of that. Really? That long? I had to pay privately to get my knee done and my shoulder done. Jesus. 
if I wanted to be healed within like a, a couple year time frame. Yeah. I mean, the minute I tore both my ACLs, you go in and boom, they're like, no. when do you want your surgery? Tomorrow? Next week? You're like, sure. No. Everyone's like, Canada Healthcare is like so free. It's like, no, no, we don't. No, it's not. Actually, I'll be honest. I like with having one of my best friends, you know, live in Canada yeah. and her talking about some of the things like I don't hear about it at all, but her talking about some of the things like I know she, she married an American man who like cheated on her and then fucking left her. Oh, yeah. Did she get the green card, though? She did. Dual passports. Get Dual passports. Yeah, the kids have both. And so, um, but it was one of those things, right? I mean, she had like a one and a half year old and a newborn baby. And I lived in Washington at the time. So I came over the border to help her. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, thank God for Canadian healthcare. It's like, well, what do you mean? And she's like, well, they pay me for what I got, like for what I worked for, whatever my salary was before yeah. for a whole year while I raise my daughter. And I was like, Oh yeah. 18 oh, months. We get 18 months. Wow. I was like, this is fucking incredible. And I was like, oh, the U S sucks. Like for everybody, but the actual employer, yeah. it's incredible for everybody except the actual employer. employer. Cause they're the one paying it out. You're paying it out. Yeah. So that's the thing. So, but then again, I didn't know that either. Yeah. You, you just hear it and you go, wow. Canadian healthcare is way better. I mean, we have and our, that's what you just assume. You can walk into the ER and get treated and you're not going to be charged hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay. Right? Like you're not going to go bankrupt on an emergency or having to take an ambulance. Yeah. But like, you yeah. know, there's stuff. There's definitely stuff. But there's, there's, like, that there's, was everything there's, thing, there's still ways around that though too because my boyfriend's a firefighter and he'll save people downtown all the time. Like especially the homeless people mm-hmm. know that they don't have to pay for shit. That's so right. they always are asking for ambulance rides and that's coming out of the taxpayers' money too. Right. So that's and my I, point. Yeah. Just be fucking healthy. But don't act I as agree. if you are being healthy and you're not. Like if you want to get healthy, there's ways to do it. You can be disciplined, but that requires effort. The problem is effort is a significant lacking factor in most of the population right now. That's true. So you don't want to be, yes, don't be delusional. Well, that's it. Be honest with yourself. Just be honest. You are, you, yes, you are enough. You are beautiful. 100%. You are, you know, you can be strong, You can courageous. be any size. Yes. But don't pretend. But don't, yeah, don't sit there in the don't mirror. Lie where you might yourself. have a heart condition and you. Diabetes. And yeah, like, and diabetes. There's just like, listen, it's not, it's not worth it yeah. to, to live that way. And I, and our culture definitely breeds that, it, that it's acceptable behavior. And I think. I get an interesting feedback for that because people are like, well, that's really shameful. It's like, no, no. that's really not. I, think- I gained 46 pounds when I had my son mm-hmm. and I'm five foot. That yeah. was not all baby. <laughs> okay, look at me. That Look at me. Look in my eyes. That was not all baby. Okay. <laughs> what did you eat? <laughs> he was six pounds, three, six or six pounds, three ounces or seven ounces. Yeah. He was nothing. Mm-hmm. So like, and I ran every day till did I was six really? months pregnant. Yeah, I did. Damn. But I still couldn't stop gaining weight. I know what it means to lose it. Yep. It's so fucking hard, but goddamn, it is hard for your health and the health of those around you and the system and our society. Knock it off. Mm-hmm. I, I do understand it's hard. I gained, uh, I was 180 pounds when I first joined the military. Okay. And however, I was in incredible shape and I have air quotes with that because I could run a mile and a half, you know, in nine minutes and 30 seconds or whatever. And I could do my 15 pull-ups and do whatever else, but I was eating like shit and I was drinking nonstop. Mm -hmm. And so I had therefore put on a lot of weight. And I will say that was very detrimental to my body. Like it hurt, I'm sure. And so like I did, I had to stop drinking. Yeah. I had to actually eat healthy for the first time in my life. I was 21 years old and I didn't know what good food was. 
sweets because lack of education is the biggest problem. Oh, it was huge. I was eating cordon blues. I was eating double, you know, bacon cheeseburgers and fucking ice cream every meal that I could. And you love a good cheeseburger. I love a fucking god. I'm going to In and Out tonight. Are you? Oh yes. Oh, and I smother that shit in mayo and hot sauce. Canada, we don't have any of that. Oh yeah. So oh, and this is I'm I'm eating an Air Force defect for the first time in my life. So I actually have a choice. Right. Right. I'm a big girl now. (laughs) <laughs> and and I made the wrong choices. And so I actually, I was like, okay. And this is what I started doing for myself. I start finding, like, I realized I was always competitive in, an, in high school, in college, because I was always an athlete. And I was always competing in a sport. So I had to find something that was competitive for me because I was losing that drive. I didn't have that anymore. And so I was like, cool, I'll train for a triathlon. And so because of that, I got a bike and I start running. I start swimming and I start biking start having to eat healthy, had actually looked up on how to eat healthy because I had no fucking clue. Mm-hmm. Boom, after that, half Ironman. Boom, after that, you know, I started more things. And that's actually what did help me. And I think people need to find what motivates some, yep. right? And you guess what? My biggest thing is now that I'm older and like I feel fucking broke some days, yep. I still work out, but my biggest thing is eating healthy yep. and getting enough sleep and drink enough that's water. That's 80% of it. It really is. I don't even have to go to the gym that much and my body will still look how I'm very happy with. Yeah, 80-20. If you, if you put in good things and, and we, we understand now that the microbiome in your stomach is directly correlates with your mood and your mind and how it, it works. And so when you mess around and you put bullshit in, no wonder you don't feel motivated. No exactly. wonder you struggle to get out of bed and your depression's out of control. Like these are things that we can fix and we can help, but we need to be willing to take accountability and understand there's this beautiful tool called Google Mm -hmm. and it is accessible to everyone. And there are so many things you can type in, but again, that requires effort. effort. Just, just and seeing past the bullshit of easy fixes. That's the thing too, is like, I feel like in the society nowadays, everyone, we're so used to everything happening quick. We want a quick fix. We, we want to lose weight quick. We want to get married quick. We want to like all these other things super quick. And, um, it doesn't happen that way. No, it takes you know, time. It takes work and it takes time. But if you do it the right way, you'll be like your body will appreciate it. Yeah. And not only that, but it'll stick with it. Yeah. It, and, and that's where you don't have to do that up and down. That's where the struggle happens. I did that for years. Yeah. I did that for years. I would take laxatives. Oh. I would. Um, there was times I would try to make myself puke, but I hate puking so much that I wouldn't. I remember when I was before I even joined the military and I was starting to gain some weight because I was underage drinking. And just not in a happy place in my life. And I was eating McDonald's. Like I was eating so much shit. And instead of actually working out, which is what I used to do, I, all the time, I just start taking like green tea pills or what's all that other shit. It was like all that weight loss, like hydroxy cut. Yep. I used to take hydroxy cut. cut, All those fucking commercials that was like, I lost like 15, 20 pounds in two days. I was like, I need that. I need that to feel better about myself. And I felt Like it was horrible. And not only did I lose weight, but then I gained all of it back and even more quicker. So it took a lot, a lot to figure that out. You're happy where you're at now? Absolutely. Because I don't even care about, I think like, I mean, I don't want to say I don't care because I'm human. And there are some times where I'm like, oh, I'm out of shape. Of course. But I don't look at myself and say you're out of shape. I can just tell when I walk up the stairs. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> can you know feel I mean? it. Like yeah. I can feel it. And I'm yeah. like, and I don't like feeling like that because I like feeling like I can do things more effortlessly. Uh, but yes, I've I've worked really, I've, I kid you not, I've worked hard on it for a very, very, very long time. And the biggest thing that actually changed everything was the way I spoke to myself. That really did. 
because at first it was lies. Mm -hmm. I kid you not. At first I just was bullshitting to myself. I'd look in the mirror like you're beautiful. And I was just like, but I'm not. I'm like, no, you're fucking beautiful. And I was like, and your body's beautiful. And I was like, and your small boobies are beautiful and everything else that everything else that I always wanted to change. And it's, it's hard to like, you know, there'll be some days when my face breaks out and I'd be like, God, you're fucking ugly. And I had to stop that. Right. And I'd be like, the pimples on your face don't take away from your beauty. They got to stop, you know? And um, it's a hormone problem. Nothing else. That's what I mean. So but it's just so <laughs> it's funny. chemical imbalance. We can fix this. But I sit there and I'm like, why God? Cause like my whole yeah. life in my twenties, I had the clearest skin. And once I get in my thirties, I'm like, I should be worried about goddamn wrinkles. Why did that happen in do, the thirties? Do you know what I mean? I like, didn't have acne a goddamn day in my life. I hit 30 and all of a sudden it was like, hi, we're here now. Same. But I was just kind of like, okay, cool. Like, I guess I have to deal with this too. Yeah, no, it's just a thing. It this happens. It's a whole other thing. And so that was a little thing that I felt a little bit insecure on and then I didn't make an entire YouTube video about my struggle with acne and like my face was all fucked up and I'm taking like videos this close. Yeah, but people probably love that because then they, they don't feel alone in the shit. They did. And so that's one reason and I will say that me sharing some of my struggles, not all, but I would say maybe a lot and parts of my life and the things that I've been working on and been going through on social media has helped me too. Yes. It's been a twofold because not only has people written me and said, Oh my God, this has helped me a lot. Get through Mm -hmm. a hard time or make me feel less alone. I'm like, it does the same thing for me. Right. I'm almost being selfish in this fact that I'm kind of like, I'm doing it to share and to connect, but also it's for me too. I feel you. You And so I think that's a beautiful thing that, and and that's also helped, but also I can see the double-edged sword with social media. It can be just as damaging. And so I I had to limit myself on certain things, had to unfollow certain accounts that was that I was allowing to make me feel insecure. Right. I had to get into a better headspace before. Right. Right. Um, I have to limit certain things and I have to realize when I start getting down rabbit holes and start wishing for things and whatever else and, and, um, not being realistic. And then I go, you know what? I need to take a break. Yeah. Because that's really what happens, right? The comparison is just the devil of all things. And when you sit there and you watch it and you look at it, you don't realize Mm -hmm. it's happening. And then all of a sudden you kind of get those moments where you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't, you kind of catch that thought. And you're like, that wasn't a good thought process. I wasn't a big fan of that. Really wasn't. We do that with, um, we have this thing on Monday. It's called mental health Mondays. Mm -hmm. So we do it every, every Monday at 9:45 PST and the morning and it's uh we just go live and we have conversations with people about mental health that's awesome but we have this group called the brass and unity army on signal and so it's a signal group chat with people from all over the world yeah and we issue challenges whether it's physical or psychological every month and we're just a huge community selfishly i fucking love this thing yeah i can go on there at any time and type in and be like hey what's up someone will answer that's awesome it's as much as i am trying to help others it's also filling my cup. Yeah. And it's okay to say that, but that's why I will always do it. That's why I I, I think I've decided that uh, I'm going to hold a microphone the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's the greatest tool I've ever been given. Mm-hmm. And I think if anybody has to put up with listening to themselves talk all the time, which I do, I might as well just do it into this. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that I found that has come from this, that has made the biggest difference. And Tara and I had this conversation yesterday was it fills my cup. Yes. Sitting down Same. and it, it gives me a moment of peace to sit and actually reflect, which I don't do any other time because mm-hmm. I'm doing everything else. And I can take a moment of peace for myself and I learn something and I'm bettering my life every time I sit down and have a different conversation with someone. And mm-hmm. that's, that's why I wanted to talk to you too, was because 
you are doing a lot in the space. You're doing a lot in your life. You're doing a lot in the progression of your life. You're you're really truly trying to do kind of what we ask people to do. It's like let's learn, let's heal some, and like heal, and then let's grow together because there's better ways to do this. Yeah. And community is that. I agree. And that's was that's why it was important that I thought at some point we have to sit down and we have to have a conversation because mm. there is few of us in this space that happen to hold the vagina cards, and I think that. <laughs> There is room for everyone to have honest and hard conversations, but yes. conversations that change lives and help people. And by sharing what you do on your social media, you do that, but it mm -hmm. also helps you. And I think that's a beautiful takeaway from social media as much as it sucks. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it can work and it, it can. can help. I can. Yeah. You just, I decided to, I promised myself when I got on social media, I said, I will always be authentic. Mm -hmm. I will stay true to myself. And I will not allow others to persuade me sharing something that's on my heart. Right. Or my fear to overtake me and share something that's on my heart. And I get a lot of times you are so vulnerable that it is refreshing and it's enlightening and it is so helpful to me. And I'm like, you have no clue how many times I almost didn't post that. Right. Do you mean, like, that's when I'm, you always should post it ooh, when you're about to hesitate. That's the one you always but should post. There's a lot that I've done that I'm like, this is a lot. This is a lot. Ooh, this is a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And then there's a lot of times I do it and I set down my phone for a bit. And, um, you know, and then most of the time I look and go, okay, okay. And there's so many people that will sit there and go, this is what I need to hear. This is what I right. need to hear. Holy shit. Why do I feel like you're speaking to me sometimes? I'm like, thank God I listen to my heart. Right. You know, but, um, that's one thing I always promise myself. And there has been times I posted things purposely for myself. And if they have helped someone else, I think that's great. But there are sometimes I'm giving myself a motherfucking pep talk. That's fine. You know what I mean? And so that's just how it works. But for me, I always said, I, I don't want to sit there and act, like talk about something. Where I, might, I don't want to sit there and be like struggling with like an eating disorder and then telling people how to eat healthy. You know what I mean? Or like, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, not being who you say you are. I, yes. Yeah, I have an issue with that. And so for me, I was like, I can't live that way. Right. I will post about, you know what? I'm struggling with this or this is something that's going on. And that's, that's why sometimes I don't say anything because at that time I might be going through something that I'm not ready to share yet. Yeah. So and that's fine. It goes back to privacy again. Absolutely. But the point is of the social media that I told myself and then also continuing on and doing this podcast was the community aspect. Right. And it's funny because the people in my life who know that I do it know how much passion that I have for it. And even just the people that are like, I love listening to you guys. This makes a difference, whether it's just girl talk and laughing sometimes and getting away from the reality or whether it's our deep conversations that we have. Um, I, I always think to myself, if I've helped one person, then it's worth it. Yeah, that's all it needs to be is it's one at a time and those just stack. It's that 1%. Absolutely. Probably should stop saying 1%. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for that. Someone's <laughs> going to be like, you probably shouldn't have said 1% so much. No, it'll be fine. Okay, good. It's okay. They'll be like, she said like too much. I'm sure that's a crutch word of mine that I say. Is it? Um, I don't know. As an instructor, it's funny because, um, see, so say, um, mm -hmm you have to be careful not to say certain crutch words. Right. And you'll have a trainer that will sit there during your lesson and they will find your crutch word and they will start telemarking it. What an asshole. Oh, yeah. But you have to think like you're given instructions so you're supposed to sound like a professional. Fair enough. The thing is too, the thing that sucks about that is like, once you have to start thinking about what you say, you start to sound robotic. Right. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> so when it, people listen to my podcast, I'm like, listen, you you get me like full raw Tiffany. So yeah. I am going to say likes and, uh, and yeah. you know, like 
I'm going to trip over my words because I'm human. If you want instructor Tiffany, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be boring as fuck. Yeah, you're not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to be enjoyable. No, absolutely not. You'll lose so, viewership for sure. Yeah. But I also appreciate what you're doing here too. And with, I think it's interesting how woke you are for being Canadian and realizing everything that's happening in the United States and in our community. And I appreciate you being a different voice because sometimes people don't want to listen to one another in our community. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Like you are, <laughs> you are the odd man out. You're, you're like, you're, yeah, you're I'm outside it from, of it. You're outside of it. You're seeing it from a very different point of view yeah. and perspective. And so sometimes that's very beneficial to people because they're like, holy shit, I didn't realize that. Because when it's coming from another vet in the same community, they're like, dude, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Right. But when it's coming from someone in a wholly different country, but who can have, who can relate on a particular level. It's like, listen, pull your head out of your ass. What do you, do you realize what you have in front of you? I just think we can do better. And I think it's very, very, very helpful. It's the, like, listen, it's like... For for some are like oh you're being judgy of it no I just think we can do better and I think we deserve better I, think I wouldn't we say can. it's judgy I would say it's you um, holding people accountable and bringing light to certain issues and the thing is people who are going to call it judgy are the people who are going to feel attacked and yeah but I don't that doesn't bother me I I played that game before yeah go 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 town have, have a good time I just don't read it yeah I post it and I leave mm-hmm. I learned a long time ago that my mental health is better when I don't read comments it's not a good space. If you have time to sit there and tell me off, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Go for a run. Yeah. Go to work. Yeah. Hang out with your kids. There's enough hate in the world. I know. What are you doing? I know. Like, here's what's wild. Quick tangent. Yeah. I, my husband sends me ridiculous gifts and memes and like stuff off Instagram and all of these things. He just ridiculous stuff every day. And some that are hilarious. I just repost them because I think they're funny. Yeah. And they'll just be reels. Anyway, I posted one of them recently and it was the most American thing because Tear sent me the other day. Um, it was a, an eagle grabbing a goose while flying over the Canadian-American border. Uh-huh. And he tagged me in it because he <laughs> trolls me. Yeah. And um, then this one popped up and it was an eagle Seem like the Team America, like fuck yeah song, and he yeah. had arms and he was jacked like this, uh-huh. and it was just him, the eagle running around, just like Ugh, puffing his chest with guns, and, uh-huh. he's, and it was. I reposted it. It's at six point six million views. Oh my god! I can't get anything else to go over a few hundred, and we're getting six point six million off a meme. Yeah, I'm sorry. What are we valuing in the world here? Can we try harder? I know. For God's sakes, you should see the comments. It is all gun and hate. Oh, the sure people just go and go. I don't engage at all, but I'm going. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, it's like Twitter where you're just throwing shit at each other. What yep. are you doing? Who are you helping? I know. Fucking America blows my mind. This place no, is it's, wild. it's crazy. And actually before when I used to read those comments, I used to actually reply and give no. energy. No, no, no. When I was younger, when I first started back in 2017, 18, man, I used, I mean, Working in interrogation and being quick witted, I was to. very like you know mm-hmm. get back at them, and then and then like I was like, why am I letting these strangers get to me? And just right? you up. And then after like I start going through like, a really really intensive healing journey, I start realizing, oh, there's something internally wrong wrong like with them. Mm-hmm. And not saying that they're fucked up, but they could be fucked Mm-mm. up. You know what I mean? But they're hurting they're and they want to be heard. Correct. And that's what I mean by that is like 
there is something that they're struggling with. Right. And instead of them dealing with it, they're projecting it onto others. And so after realizing that, um, a lot of times I would sit there and send a little prayer their way and then delete the comment and block them. Yeah. And that's what I would do because I was like, you know what? I, that's a lot of time and energy wasted. And I'm not in that space where I need to give it to someone because no. how is it going to make it any better? Right. Well, you have a finite amount of time and energy to give. Correct. What's your bandwidth? What's your time worth? Absolutely. Right. And yes. all things. And if you're taking this seriously and you're wanting to do this, then you, you're, you can't be focusing on people. Exactly. What's that saying? Nobody doing more than you will ever shit on someone below you. Like, it's e very true. You're not going to. I'm sorry, but you don't hear Elon Musk going to like Joe Rogan. Hey, bro. Yeah. Podcast is shit. <laughs> I'm so sorry. There's no time. He's building rockets and changing humanity and single-handedly saving the fucking planet. Yep. So there's no time for that. Although he does troll people on Twitter like Nancy Pelosi, which is hilarious, by the way, to watch. You guys and your politics are a treat yeah. at best. I mean, ours are no much, no better, but at least our guy is not a geriatric old man. <laughs> That's a whole other topic for a whole other time. Oh my God. We don't even really talk about politics on here. because That's I, wild. I know, because I don't even get into it. And then the thing is too, is I like to speak intelligently upon things and I don't pay, like I pay enough, in, uh, you know, enough right. attention to politics, but not enough to where I can speak intelligently on it. So therefore I don't speak upon it. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think yeah. that's probably the smart stance. It's Correct. just interesting to watch from afar. Yeah, it is. Tell me about it. The only thing that I like watching about politics stuff is when they do bad lip reads over it. Those Have you the, seen that? Oh, those are the, but somebody's got a meme page Dude. that does that. No, I know. It's literally called bad lip reads. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. Oh, and it's, it's so like good. the fucking best. I've been seeing these and I, on TikTok, which yes. I will obviously get on from time to time. I'll see these political things come up. I'm like, what the fuck? TikTok. And then I realize it's a bad lip read. I'm like, this is why. But they're good. They're fucking good, dude. And they're funny. I know. So I've been getting those for, for a hot minute. And the like, pop people, smoke has got some good ones. Yeah. Too. I was like, people need that more in their life. They really do. They do. And just it, to laugh and you just need not to take things seriously. Change the algorithm on their page a little bit. <laughs> My husband's consists. He's got like a black page, so he doesn't post anything. He just kind of looks. Yeah. So it's like uh, he's a techie. So it's like googly techie Tesla -y things. Yes. And then hot chicks. Oh, just like just super awesome, super tattooed hot chicks. And then he'll send me the photos. And be like, check out this tattoo. And I'm like, oh, God, she's so gorgeous. I love her. I, she's very attractive. Oh, my God. That's actually what's funny, because once I was like getting more into tattoos or wanting to tattoo again, I was like, all it like, was was this hot chicks and tattoos. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, my algorithm looked like that for a hot minute when I'm moving on yeah, designing things. My explore pages. I'm like, eh, there's no problem with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm fine with that. No, I it's there's like, <laughs> hey, at least it's not like angry death violence it's like okay i can do this exactly this doesn't make my day worse yes. i feel not bad looking at this afterwards this I'm, isn't that bad yeah. yeah now if people want to find your podcast yes because they're listening where can they find you so the brass and unity podcast is everywhere we're on youtube we monetize there when we're on all the regular platforms and things like that and then um i'm the ceo of a company called brass and unity which is a jewelry company and we take 20 percent of our net proceeds we donate those to all the different veteran organizations and when you purchase product in that country, that money stays in that country. So oh, if okay. Americans buy from us, even though we're Canadian, we donate the money to an American organization. Okay. So we keep it fair across the board so yeah. people can support their people, right? Um, That's so, really smart. Yeah. So we have that. Then we have the Brass and Unity podcast. Um, it's just Brass and Unity Instagram. And then mine's Kelsey underscore Sharon. And then over the next, uh, just kind of stay tuned in the next couple months and this next 12 months that we've mm -hmm. got 
so so much stuff. You do, yeah. So much stuff. I'm so excited. I get some tell good you. stuff. Coming. Oh my god, I'm <laughs> acting like a child because it's insane. To uh, I met some people yesterday and that I'm working with on some stuff, and it was like an aha moment. It was like a shock to the system. I'm like, I'm living like. I couldn't have dreamt this because I didn't know this could be a thing. So I'm just, I'm finally at a place where I can say like, I'm proud of what I'm put, about to put out and Good. the effort I've put in and the people that have stood behind me and really just been willing to support the brand and the cause and the people that I'm trying to help elevate and the, these organizations. And like, so if you're going to go follow us, what I also ask is please go always check out boot campaign, defenders of freedom, honor house vets and, and heroic hearts. Um, Overwatch Foundation, these people are people that I support and I care deeply about. And that's why I have the platform I have is to elevate these individuals. So any of those, but just kind of watch out. We've got some, it's going to be good. It's going to be so good. Yes, I'm excited for you. Thank you. I really am. Yeah, I'll it's come back good. and uh, when I can talk and give you all of the good deeds, I'll, yes. I'll let you know. Yeah, well, we'll have you back on. <laughs> Thank you so much for this joint episode. Tonight. I know, yes, I welcome. It was so, so fun. This is about damn time. It happened. It's been a hot minute, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah, me too. Thanks, babe. And I'm happy you're here. We'll see you, we'll see you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> If you enjoyed listening to this full episode, check out our Patreon link in the caption below for more full episodes. With your continued support through our Patreon page, hopefully we can soon make all of our full video and audio episodes free for all. Have a fucking amazing week. I remember the day when you left my side.